Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. Again, we're so glad that you're here. We're going to conclude our series today called Don't Be Fooled that Pastor Jeff has done an amazing job at over the last four weeks. It's almost been like therapy sessions every time I've been to church. And so I hope that if you've missed any of those that you would go back and you would listen to those because they have just been so good. And so today I thought, you know, all the things that we've learned, how to be forgiven, how to give forgiveness, how to ask for forgiveness, we're gonna have to do those things the rest of our life, right? I mean, we've never arrived. We never just get to where we wanna be. And so we're gonna continue in our life, unfortunately, to maybe hurt other people. We're gonna continue to get hurt ourselves, and we're gonna continue to need to ask God to forgive us. So how do we continue in this forgiveness? And so we're entitling this last message, Living Forgiven. Okay, that's kind of the southern way of saying living, right? So if you're not from the south, that's what we mean by that. But how to live and walk in this forgiveness for the rest of our life. And as I begin to think about living in the freedom of forgiveness, I was trying to think of a person in Scripture that really encapsulated what this meant. A person that had needed forgiveness. I mean, because when we look at Jesus, he was perfect right? And that's why God sent him. He never needed forgiveness. He was always giving it. But what, who was a human like us who needed forgiveness, who had to learn to give forgiveness and do all these types of things? And I landed on the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul was a person that did great things, okay? Don't get me wrong. In fact, God chose him to write three quarters of the New Testament, which is amazing, okay? He was one of the first church planters. He was one of the first missionaries. But let's be honest, Paul didn't begin his career in that way. In fact, his name was Saul when he first began. And we learned that Paul began his career by killing Christians. In fact, Paul thought he was doing God's work by killing Christians. He thought he was taking care of the falsehood right, in, in the religious community, because the religious people didn't believe that Jesus was God's son. And so they would imprison Christians in the early church. They would kill them, men and women, and they would, again, put them in prison. And so Paul was a part of the people that did, did these things. Well, one day he was on his way, kind of going out of his way, to imprison some other people on a road called Damascus. And as he was walking along this road, a bright light came from heaven and a voice spoke that only Paul could hear. Like his entourage, his people that were with him, couldn't really hear or see much what was going on. They just kind of saw Paul on his knees on the ground. And Paul was blinded by the light. Okay, it's more than a song. Okay, he was literally blinded by the light, but he heard this voice from heaven and he called him Saul which was his name before but we're just going to say Paul for simplicity's sake what are you doing to me the voice said 
Why are you hurting me? Why are you persecuting me? And it's so interesting in Scripture that Paul says, Lord, who are you? In other words, he's already in his mind, he knows this is a person of authority spiritually. He knows this person is coming from heaven, talking to him. And he says, Paul, I'm Jesus, the one you're hurting. In other words, stop. Stop what you're doing. And go into the city and I'll tell you what to do. So Paul, being blind and having to be led by the people into the city, goes goes there and for three days, he doesn't eat, he doesn't drink, he's blind. And I just picture him like in a corner somewhere, just rehashing in his mind all the things that he had done that was so terrible. What was he thinking? But his eyes spiritually were beginning to be open. And it's like that, isn't it? When, when God reveals to us what we've just done, like we don't realize in the heat of the battle what we're doing, and then God reveals to us what we're, we've done and we see that, and we're like, oh no, you know, what have I done? Well, meanwhile, a man named Ananias was at his home, and God spoke to Ananias, and he said, I want you to go to Paul, and I want you to pray for him. And Ananias said, "Uh uh-uh, because I know what this guy does to people like me. That's what he said. And so God says, no, I really want you to go. I'm going to use this guy, Paul, in a mighty way. I need you to go. And so he does, like a good disciple, he goes and he prays for Paul, and Paul gets his sight. And the Bible says that literally something like scales fall from his eyes. Not only spiritually could he, could, could he see, but, but now physically he could see. And Paul did amazing things. How do we continue to walk in forgiveness? Because you can read all throughout the New Testament that Paul would go back and say, I'm the worst of all. I did horrible things, but God forgave me. And so he began to live in that forgiveness. So how can we do that today? That is my question. How can we walk forward in all the things that we've learned and continue to do that? So number one, inside your program, I want you to write these words down if you would for me. The first way I think that we can live forgiven is this. Number one, love myself. Love myself. Now, I know at church that sounds weird, okay? Because we're always talking about loving others, right? Loving God and loving others. That is the great commandment. That is what we're supposed to do. But I want us to look at Philippians 3.12 and another verse to help us kind of navigate through this. Paul says this, I'm not saying that I have all together. Now remember, he's, he's been through all these things. He's done great things. At this point, Paul is in prison himself for telling people about Jesus. So he's going for full circle here, okay? He's saying, look, I'm not saying I've I've had this all together, that I've made it. Because look at all the stuff that I did before. It was bad. But I'm well on my way reaching out for who? Who has so wondrously reached out for who? Oh, isn't that good? I can reach out for, for Jesus, but look who reached out to me first. It was him. He loved me first. He reached out to me first. You've got to look at yourself again. As Pastor has said over and over and over through this series, please go back and listen to it if you've you've missed some, some Sundays. But he says, you've got to stop thinking about yourself 
the way that you think about yourself and start thinking about yourself the way God thinks about you. That second song that, that Shannon sang up here, you are God's child. You are his. You gotta know whose you are. You need to put that song on repeat and play it over and over so that you know you are loved by God. Look at what it says in Mark 12 and 31. Love your neighbor as who? Now we're supposed to love our neighbor, I get it. But again, love your neighbor as yourself. It's okay to love you. It's okay to take care of you. It's okay to see you as God sees you. How would I say do that? You need to maybe go home and Google like some verses on encouragement and you need to print those off or write those down and put those up on your mirror. And you need to say those every day. I am God's child. He loved me first. I can love myself. I can move forward. Because here's the thing. We can't love others well until we love ourselves well. Until you're whole. Until you let God begin putting back together who you are, and how he created you to be, you can't love others well. There's a story that I read back in the early days of when cars were just beginning to be made, like those Model T cars I picture at Six Flags, you know, some of you guys, I don't even know if they still have those, do they? And uh, the, you, those old Model T cars, if you're in my age bracket, you rode those as a kid, and you always got to drive because they just guided you through the whole little path. And, and I just picture a guy kind of driving one of these Model Ts, and he, it broke down on him. And so he kind of pulls over on the side of the road, and I just picture him lifting the little hatch, and he's beginning to work on it. And then all of a sudden, a, a limo in that day pulls up beside him. And I picture like Daddy Warbucks, you know, from Annie, you know, getting out. And he begins to walk up to the guy, and he says, hey, can I help you with your car? And I'm sure the guy was taken aback. I mean, this guy was dressed to the nines. He was a millionaire. And he's like, well, sure. And so he comes over, and the man begins to tinker around with the car, and it starts right up. And the owner was like, what do I owe you? That is amazing. Thank you so much. And he said, you don't owe me anything. My name is Henry Ford, and I created this car. And when I don't see it working to its fullest potential, it breaks my heart. And so I want to help every car I see that's not working work to its fullest potential. Can I tell you today that when you mess up, God doesn't want to replace you. He wants to rebuild you. He wants to restore you. And so we have to learn to appreciate ourselves and see ourselves how God sees you. You are his creation. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're God's creation. The second way that I think we can learn to live forgiven is number two, learn to forget, learn. Notice I said learn, it's not overnight. Something happened to me earlier this month that I would love to learn to forget, but I'm fearful that it's branded onto my memory forever. My husband, Danny, who is the really hot guy that sings right here on Sunday mornings and does such a great job. He's my favorite singer in the whole world. 
We had had a really busy, busy weekend um, earlier this month. He had worked all day Saturday, and then he, we come to church really early on Sundays, like around 7.30, and he's here, you know, singing his heart out. And then he comes back and serves with students on Sunday nights. And so he had a really hard day. And many times when he's really tired, he talks in his sleep. And so this night, um, we, we go to bed, and he, I, I start hearing him mumbling. Uh, it was, woke, woke, woke me up about 2 a.m., and I usually just can turn over and kind of bump him, you know, and he just rolls over and he goes right back to sleep. No big deal. Y'all are not going to believe this, okay? To my horror, when I rolled over to bump him, my grown husband is standing in the middle of the bed with his arms up like this, like he's offering the Lion King to God. And he's mumbling. And I'm horrified. Like, what is happening? Do grown people do this? I, I was so confused about what he's never done this before. And I hear him saying something like, it, if I don't fix it, it'll fall. And I'm like, Danny, sit down. Who tells that to their grown husband? Don't make me say it again. Sit down. <laughs> he's getting irritated at me. I can hear it in his voice as he's talking to something. He's getting irritated at me. And finally, he sits down and he's huffing and puffing like he's mad. And he <laughs> rolls over and just goes right back to sleep. <laughs> and I'm mad. I can't just go back to sleep. I'm thinking, he could have just stepped off the bed and broke his head. He could have grabbed firearms and I don't know. You know, I don't know what's going on. You know, he's, what he's doing and what's happening. I have, I'm so mad. I have to get up and go take an antacid, okay? So I go, I go do that and just come back to bed and, and couldn't believe what had just happened. And so the next day he leaves earlier than I do and on the way to work I call him and I'm like what were you doing and he's like what are you talking about I said you were you were my grown husband standing in the bed with your arms up mumbling something about if I don't fix it it's gonna fall and I, I didn't put it all together y'all I was just like horrified and he said oh I was having a dream that the ceiling fan was falling and I was trying to catch it. <laughs> and he said, and by the way, I was getting really irritated at you because you were telling me to stop and I thought it was going to kill us. <laughs> and I said, you were getting irritated at me? You were my grown husband standing up in the bed, sleepwalking or whatever it is that you were doing. There are things, folks, that we want to forget, but we just can't. And that was one, the horrified feeling. I thought it was in the twilight zone. I did not know what was going on. And I'm making light of this, but let's be honest, there are things, there are people that have hurt us and things that have happened that we would love to forget. And so we have to learn to do that. There are spouses, there are friends, there are teachers, there's churches, let's be honest. There are children and parents that have hurt us. And we have to learn 
to forget. Look at what Paul said in the first part of First Corinthians, uh, I'm sorry, Philippians 3, 13 and verse A. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, again, I've not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. This is so interesting. I focus on one thing. And what are those next three words? Forgetting the past. He's saying, I have to do this every day. I have to forgive myself every day for what I used to do. I mess up every day and I have to ask Jesus over and over to forgive me. I have to ask people over and over to forgive me. But I do my best every day to forget the past. We never get ahead trying to get even. We have to learn to forget the past. And Pastor helped us with this so much. He began, he, he, over and over in his sermon, stop rehearsing the past. Stop rehearsing the past. You know what would serve us well? Short-term memory loss. Right? Poor memory would serve us well. Stop rehearsing it. Google those verses. At the beginning of this month, we spent some time commemorating Dr. Martin Luther King and his death. A man who had been attempted, people had attempted to kill him numerous times, almost succeeded even before. A man who had been put in jail near, nearly 30 times. And yet, Dr. Martin Luther King gave a speech and a quote in 1967 that said, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. I have decided to stick with love. Because carrying this weight of remembering what everyone has done to me and how I've been hurt is too great a burden. And if anybody deserved to hate, it was him. But he let it go. You know what he was saying? I've learned to forget. I've learned to forget. So I've got some ideas for us. How do we learn to forget? There's some things that we've put into play here at SEC in order to help you get around folks and get around people to help you learn to forget. We call them SEC groups and we call them ministry teams. And this is why, because 2 Corinthians 1 and 4 says this, He, who Paul again is talking about God, comforts us in all our troubles so that we can, so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Maybe you've been through divorce, and you need to get around folks that have already been through that and can help you move on. Maybe you need to forgive, and you need to be around folks that have learned to do that, and they could help you in your process. And, and again, SEC groups are something that we're putting together for the summer. And, and sign-ups are going to begin in about three weeks. And so the reason I'm telling you this now is because summer is coming. And we're all going to be on vacation at some point. And we're all going to have really busy schedules, and that's okay. So we've shortened the semester to just like six weeks. And we say, hey, if you can come three or four, yay, that's a win. And so we want you to be a part of groups. And, and so there's going to be a catalog in your your um, program in about three weeks. You can look over all of those. There'll be one every day of the week 
And you can choose a time. So that's why I'm saying anticipate now your schedule. So that when that rolls out, you'll be like, we've had a family meeting. We already know which day of the week we're going to do this. And then we have impact team here at SEC. What is that? It's all of our volunteers. Anytime you see someone volunteering on stage, here in the auditorium, in kids' areas, in student areas, they're part of the impact team. And they've learned their gifts and their talents in order that they can be around people to serve. Because you know what serving does? It brings joy. It turns your thoughts off of you and your problems and help us, helps you to focus on what's going on with others. It helps you forget the past. You say, well, how do I know what I'm good at? I'm glad you asked. It's called Growth Track. Next week, Growth Track, step number one starts. And on the back of your connection card, we're not asking you to sign up today, just asking you to say, yep, send me some information about Growth Track. I would love to know my gifts and talents, how I can serve others and feel better about what God is doing in my life. And you get a better outlook. Send me some information about groups. So this summer, maybe I can get around some people that can help me on my journey. Would you do that today? Because we want to help you take some next steps in order to live forgiven. The third way that I think we can live forgiven is number three, look ahead. If we're forgetting the past, we've got to look somewhere else. Do you notice the theme of this entire series is stop what you're doing and replace it. Stop what you're doing that you don't want to do. Stop what you're doing that God's word says is not what you, he wants you to do and replace it with what he does want you to do. Because listen, if we just stop, then there's still a hole there, right? We have to fill it with something else. And so we've got to look ahead. Paul continues that verse in the second part of Philippians 3.13 and he says, again, I've stopped looking I've, I've forgot the past, and now where am I looking? Will you circle forward? And I'm looking to what lies where? Ahead. Will you circle ahead? Are you seeing the pattern? Are you seeing that we have to replace pain, our past, our problems with what? It's God's love, his forgiveness, and what he wants to do in us. There's a famous painting that I'm sure you've all seen in some form or fashion, maybe a copy or maybe you've been to Italy and seen the original of the Last Supper that Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci painted and it's in Milan in a church there. And it's amazing. You see Jesus, you see the disciples. Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's having one last supper with his disciples to tell them what to do. And there's a story associated with this painting that as Leonardo da Vinci was painting it, he had a feud going on with a fellow painter of that time. His name, you've probably heard of him, Michelangelo. Now, I'm not talking about Ninja Turtles, okay? Which is what that sounds like. That's what I feel like I'm talking about when I'm saying this story. But they had a feud going. And everybody kind of knew about it. It was a bitter dispute. And so as Leonardo is painting this, he decides that as he's painting the disciple Judas, the one that betrayed Jesus, that he would just paint the picture of Michelangelo's face onto this disciple. 
And then everybody of that day would know that was who that is. In fact, he took great delight in doing this. It was a little salty if you ask me, right? And so as he began to work on the other disciples, and then he would kind of come back to Jesus, he would work on the other disciples, he would come back to Jesus, he never could quite get Jesus right. It was so discouraging to him. It was, he was so confused. And he began to be stumped at why he couldn't move forward in this process, and then he realized what was happening. He was so focused on the bitterness and the resentment that he had, even to the point of painting this, this artist's picture onto this masterpiece, that he couldn't finish Jesus. And so he had to go to Michelangelo, and he had to make amends, and they had to make peace with one another. And when he did that, he could go back and with ease paint the picture of Jesus and change the face of Judas. Folks, if we can't focus on Jesus instead of our pain, our past, our bitterness, we're never going to become the masterpiece that Jesus and that God wants us to be. Amen? We have got to focus on Jesus and what he wants us to become. And maybe you're here today and all you're doing is focusing on your past and you feel like you can't get forgiveness. Can I tell you today you can have freedom? You can have freedom. That there, are, there is a God that is pursuing you and he wants you to find peace and he wants you to find freedom for good. And he wants you to get on the journey of walking with him. Does it mean you won't have problems? Absolutely not. Jesus promised us we would have problems. But he says, if you'll let me, I'll walk with you. And there's a prayer inside your program, a prayer to become a Christ follower. And if you say today, you know what, I want to do that. I want to focus on Jesus for the rest of my life and not what's gone wrong on my sin. I want him to take that, and I want to be the masterpiece that he's created me to be. On the back of your connection card, the only thing I ask you to do is just check that box that says, I am praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. Would you do that with me today so that we can just pray for you and send you some material to help you in your journey? Well, the fourth way to live forgiven, I think, is number four, love others and repeat the process. Love others and repeat the process. Notice we've made a big circle with love. Love others and, and repeat the process. We can't remember Love others well until we love ourselves well, but we can't just focus on ourselves. We have to begin to focus on others. And so Paul tells us in this last verse, Philippians 3 and 14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. Press on. Will you look to your neighbor and say, Press on? Will you look to your other neighbor and say, press on? There is only one race worth pursuing, and it's this race. And it's not a race just so that we get to go to heaven one day. It's a race so that we have an opportunity for the best life here on earth, the abundant life with Jesus. But the process has to be repeated daily. I have to love myself. I have to think enough of myself and see myself as Jesus sees me. I have to learn to forget. I have to look ahead and I have to repeat this process. 
Peter actually, I think we may have touched on this verse once through the series. Peter came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, how many times are we supposed to forgive? Six times? Seven times? And Jesus says this. Again, as Peter said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who forgives, who, who hurts me seven times? And, and Jesus, thinking probably that he had, maybe Peter had only forgiven six and just threw one in for good measure, you know, for himself. And Jesus says, no, not seven, 70 times seven. And for those of you that did that quick multiplication, that's 490, right? Which is like over 20 times an hour a day. I think that means a lot. That we are to forgive daily, every hour, until Jesus comes. How long? As long as it takes. How long are you supposed to forgive yourself? As long as it takes. How long are you supposed to forgive others? As long as it takes. My little boy Drew is four years old. And he's playing t-ball. Which is fun for him, but not for us. Okay? Because it's a lot of work for parents, okay? Because kids at three and four get very distracted. And so T-ball is a family affair, okay? As they, they get, and just let me set this up for you a little bit. They're just learning fundamentals, right? So no score, because it's kind of discouraging for me. Because I want to know, like, who won? But no, nobody wins. It's just, you know, they all bat, and they all run around the bases. And then they come out in the field which every parent, like every kid that has a parent there is standing beside their kid, helping them stay focused because they get distracted and they get tired. By the second inning, they're like, I want a snack. And they're laying in the dirt, you know, drawing around in the dirt. And the ground ball comes and I picked up Drew and put him in front of it so he would catch it, you know. And he, he got it, which was awesome. But they're just learning. And so when they're batting, there's a coach on every base. First and third makes sense, right? Because we usually see that. But there's a coach at second because sometimes they just hit the ball and start running to the pitcher's mound. They're just chasing their ball everywhere it goes. The person throws the ball and the whole team runs to the ball, you know? It's like little cats just chasing a ball. But there's a person on first, there's a person on second, third, and there's even somebody at home. And you're like, well, why? Why would there be somebody at home? Well, because when they're running from third to home, sometimes they just start running to the dugout and totally miss the plate. There's somebody there to say, come on, Drew. Come on, Drew. Right here, here's home. Put your foot on home. And he, he steps on the home plate. And when he gets older and when the scores matter, he's going to know where home is. Can I tell you, there is a coach today at home plate. His name is Jesus. And he's saying, come on, come on. You can make it. It's okay. You can finish this race. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are my creation. And you can finish. Would you stand? Father, we love you and we thank you for your love for us. That you pursue us with a love that will do anything 
even sacrificing your son to make us know how much we are worthy. Not because we're good, but because you're good. And so Jesus, today we thank you for your love. And we ask you to help us to see ourselves as, as you see us. In order that we can forget the past, that we can look ahead and we can love others and finish this race that you have called us to. Thank you. Thank you for your compassion for us. That you pursue us at all costs. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.